And we've got these, this, this sickness that has been a problem, not just here. And I know it's hard to know what to know, <laughs> right? Isn't it, isn't it kind of like God to allow something a little strange and mysterious to come along in these last days? And it's not just here. Now, I know in our nation, we got election year, and then there are people that are seizing every opportunity to use different things for different purposes. But, but in talking to missionary friends and different ones from around the world, this is something that's happening in the whole world. It's not just happening here, okay? And I know people who would have known they were sick unless they had a test told them they were sick, but I do know some people now that are very sick, okay? And, and I do know some people who have, have died. Uh, so these are strange. It's hard, to, it's, it's hard to understand with all these experts. Don't we all think everybody should just give us the straight on everything? Uh, but it's not happening. Uh, hey, that's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't surprise me at all that in these last days some things could be this, this tricky, okay? It is tricky. Uh, but I know that for the church it's been tough, people think. We kind of get out of our routines and our habits. Uh, could be that we're more tied to those traditions and routines and habits than we are to the, to the Spirit of the Lord leading us and to the Word of God guiding us. Could be. Could be that other believers throughout time have gone through much more difficult situations than what we've had to go through. And not only, not only did they survive, they were thriving. And not only did the gospel remain and come down to us, but it spread even faster than ever before. So I got to ask you a question, and I don't want you to take it wrong. Are you viral? Are you contagious? Huh? Because we've been talking about and we had obsessed with people being contagious. And the craziest thing is people that's contagious, they didn't even know they were contagious. They didn't even know they were infecting people with a virus that at this point no one had any natural resistance to because it's new. But there's other things besides literal viruses that we talk about going viral, right? Because you know that's what a virus does. A virus, you know, attaches itself and it, to, the, to the host tissue and then it begins to invade and it begins to duplicate itself and it begins to spread, it begins to take over, it begins to move, right? But you know what? In the very beginning, when the church was born, on the day of Pentecost, uh, the church, the gospel, the good news went viral. We say that even about like a video or something that just begins, everybody begins to, you know, there's no advertising thing. It just kind of spreads from person to person and hey, they share it and they share this and then other people see it and other people, I saw you like that, I'm going to watch it. And it just all of a sudden, all of a sudden it just spreads all around the world, right? Well, I'm going to tell you that in Acts chapter 8, you see that the gospel is going viral. So I want you to turn to Acts chapter 8. And uh, we're going to kind of look at a lot of scripture today. So please be ready for that. I want you to, I mean, this would be worth your time. It's the word of God. I may not say anything that great, but the word of God is alive and powerful. So write down these verses. And, and even if you, you know, I know you say, well, I've already got notes and stuff. My Bible is just stuffed full of them. Even if you don't keep it, if you just, if you just meditate on it, if you just read over it and you just study over it uh, later tonight or tomorrow, if you just do that one time, it's worth writing it down. Writing it down helps you to remember. Look up these verses go back over them and I just I'm just so obsessed with this thought that some of this we've got to take out of, we've got to take it out of here we don't just listen to it while it's here we've got to take it with us we've got to meditate we've got to grow we got to apply it to our lives or else we haven't really learned anything uh, so I want you to think about this for a moment day of Pentecost they're told to wait to gather till that promise Jesus said 
even before he went to the cross that would come. He says, I'm leaving you, but I'm not. Now, I've been with you. It's been great to be with Jesus, right? How was it to be the apostles and be right there with him, listening to him teach, watching him as he fed the multitudes, as he began to, they, got, they had to be involved in it. They had work to do, right? They divided up in groups of 50 and groups of 100. And, you know, Jesus didn't feed everybody. He, he handed out, they helped him, and they were a part of it. Uh, to see Jesus heal people, to see all this stuff happen, listening to his voice, and it would be better. But Jesus said, no, it's going to be better when I leave. How could that be better? Because he says, when I leave, everything that I've taught you, my presence is going to actually come inside you. And I'm going to call to remembrance all the things that I've taught you. You're not going to have to ask me. Now, Jesus, what would I'm going to just, I'm going to help you remember it. And not only that, my presence is not going to just be with you on the outside. It's going to be with you on the inside, that, that, that one that he was sending. As it turns out, it is the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, third person of the Trinity. So God's presence is the presence of the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of truth. He's got a lot of different titles. He's going to be living in you. And uh, when that happens, this is going to even be more awesome. And he said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until that promise is fulfilled. And that promise came. And it happened on a normal feast day that they were gathered in Jerusalem for. Just like the crucifixion happened on the Passover. This happened on Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks. That they're celebrating the harvest and all of that. It is something that was in the law. And they were gathered there in Jerusalem and they stayed there. And this happened. And Peter stood up and he proclaimed the gospel. And there were Jewish people there from different parts of the world that they may have spoke some Aramaic or Hebrew, but, but many of them had other languages and other dialects. And guess what? Everybody there heard the good news in their own, and it doesn't just say language, but dialect. Everybody there. They knew these guys didn't know all those languages. So he didn't just give it in a general language that they kind of knew and could communicate. He gave it to them in their own hometown language. I mean, if, if, if some of us had been there, they'd, we'd have heard them say, you and zis and y'all, probably. It's a powerful thing. But even though the Holy Spirit had given birth to a flourishing church in Jerusalem, I don't see the apostles forming a committee among themselves and strategizing of how they're going to reach the rest of the world for Jesus. Because see, then they thought it wasn't going to be long and he was going to come right back. But, you know, after all thousand years with God is like one day and one day is like a thousand years and so it wasn't going to be long in God's time frame but they thought listen the apostles really felt like that he might come back during their lifetime well we, we know that didn't happen but we we know that if things have transpired we're we're right there on the last part of the very last days in in our day they thought they were in the last days as it turns out it was the beginning of the last days but I don't see them making this big strategy and this, this, this five-point plan to go reach the, west, the rest of the world. I mean, because after all, was that not the command that Jesus had given them? Wasn't that what they were supposed to do, was to take the good news to everybody? Isn't that right? Wasn't that the deal? And, but I don't see them doing it right off the bat. They just kind of stay there in Jerusalem, and they're growing, and they're teaching, and they're training, and they're helping people become disciples. Um, uh, we're going to read this verse and then we're going we're gonna to come back, we're going to look at a bunch of other verses. But it says in verse 4 of, of Acts chapter 8, that those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Now, here's, what, here, here's, here's the thing, is what is it they were supposed to do? So the big question that I want to start out, or the big statement is, what? 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 I don't know quite how to say it, but you get the idea. The What? What is our mission and purpose? Is it just to do a Sunday 
meeting thing, and we just kind of like, okay, I did this, so because I did that, God says, you're okay for a few days. I want to assure you it's important that we come together, but that's only a tiny bit of it. Okay, there's so much more he wants to do. What is, what is as a Christian? What is as a church? What is as a local church? What is our mission and our purpose? Now, they knew what it was, right? You know what it is. You ready to get some verses? You ready here? All right, let's go. <laughs> Boom, there it is. All right, Jesus, this is what we call the Great Commission. That this is the mission, and Jesus says, I'm sending you, I'm calling you in, and I'm giving my mission to you. You are on co-mission with, I'm, I'm on mission with me. And here it is, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He says, go therefore, he tells it, go. First thing is, you're going to go as you proceed from place to place. Make disciples of all nations. And that word nations is the Greek word ethnos, and it means every ethnic group says, in the name of the Father, and baptizing them. He says, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The end of that age is when he comes back. That was the, that's the what, right there. Uh, not just there, but in Acts, it's recorded, and while he's spending time with them, after, see, this was before uh, he ascended, and, and this is another time that he spent with them before he ascended back to the Father. He was telling this is this is the resurrected Jesus saying this. Uh, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So that promise hadn't happened yet. So it's, he says, I want you to wait here. He says, but you're going to receive power, power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And guess what you're going to do? You're just going to be happy and you're just going to be like, well, yeah, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is you're going to be witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses. What does a witness do? You ever been called as a witness? A witness testifies what they know, what they saw, what they heard, what they felt. You're going to be my witnesses, Jesus said, in Jerusalem. That's where they were. Judea, that's the kind of the, the state around them. And Samaria, that's a bordering place and to the end of the earth. He would tell us, you're going to be my witnesses in Hartville, in Missouri, in the United States, in North America, on the Western uh, continents, all of them, and to the every nook and cranny of the planet. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Uh, And besides, even earlier, before Jesus went to the cross, he told them this. He said in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel, what's the word gospel mean? What's that say again? Good news. The good news of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all ethnos, all nations, and then shall the end come. So here's what we know. We know that the end is not going to come. The end of time is not going to come until the gospel, the mission, is carried out. And the gospel, the good news, is spread over every part of the world to every nation, to every ethnic group of peoples, anywhere that we can find them, anywhere they exist. That's the mission that he gave us. And then Acts 17, Paul's preaching in Athens, and there are just a bunch of pagans there, but he says this. In Acts 17, 30, he says, The times of ignorance God overlooked. God's just kind of put up with people. But he said, Now, now in this day we're living in, now he commands all people everywhere to repent. That means we recognize the fact that what God says is true 
and we recognize the truth about what he says about us, we turn from our sin, we turn to him to repent. Because he'd been preaching about that. He'd been preaching about the good news that, that Jesus Christ paid for our sins so that we can have forgiveness as we repent of our sin and turn to him. But he says, why? Here's another thing. Uh, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. What's he saying? Time is running out even then. And he said now... He's commanding, it's urgent that you need to know it's time to repent. It's time to embrace this because there's a day coming, folks. There is a day coming that he's going to judge the world. So here's what we need to do as we think about this mission. You, you've got it. We're reminded again and again and again. This is the mission and purpose of why we're here. Why is it when you got saved, they didn't just take you right on to heaven because there's a work he's doing. And that work involves reaching the world with the good news in this messed up world. The light shines in the darkness. Remember what's at stake is what he's saying in that passage to the Athenians. What's at stake? What are the stakes here? I don't think sometimes we fully realize what's at stake. We get so distracted by everything else, we don't realize that what is at stake are the eternal souls of people. We're talking about people's eternity, heaven and hell type thing. We're talking about their forever. It's more than the economy. Hey, the economy is important. I'm not saying it's not. But it's more important than the economy. It's more important than dealing with regulations that we're needing to deal with to stop the spread of COVID-19. There's something more important than that even. It's more important than the election that we're all kind of concerned about. Although all these things are all very important and, and, and you have to give some time and attention to them. There's something even much more important than that. It's about the fact that God himself has set a day. It is set, folks. No one can know exactly when that day is going to be, but on that day, he's going to judge the world. Time is out. Remember when God said he was going to destroy the world with a flood? Not a made-up story. It really happened. There's tons of scientific evidence that comes along to support the idea of this worldwide flood, no matter how bad people don't want to see it. It is there. It is there in the fossil formations all over the planet. It is there by the way some of the mountains were formed in the sediment layers. It is there by fossilized remains of tropical things in polar regions. I mean, it is there. But God said he's going to do this, and the doors were open. But Noah and his family are the only ones that believed. But the day came that God shut the door of the ark. When God shut it, it was shut. It had never rained in that way before, but I'm sure when it did, people were pounding on that door saying, Okay, I believe now, let me in. But it was too late. It did not open back up. I believe on that day, they're going to be too late for a lot of people who somehow think that it's not a big deal right now, but it's going to be a big deal on that day. I'm saying there's a day. And you and I need to keep our perspective straight about our mission and purpose and what's at stake. Are you following me on this? Okay, good. The most important thing, eternal souls of people. We're dealing not only with the lives of people as they try to get through this world, but we're dealing with people's eternities. We're talking about their forevers. We're talking about not just how people can break chains of bondage in this world and have a better life, which that's part of it, but we're talking about their forevers. And with all the distractions of our day that we're dealing with right now, we do not need to get our focus off of his focus. One of the worst things that we can do as a local body of believers is become inward focused, just thinking about ourselves and what we like and what we want to do and what we just think works for us and is comfortable for us. And we forget about outward focus, the rest of the world, the Great Commission. 
the thing he called us to do. A lot of the times we can become our own Sunday club, spiritual Sunday club that meets at a certain place, right? And you know in the Bible the word church never refers to a building, it refers to people. But we get that all mixed up sometimes. This is the why, why and what, what we're doing. Okay, so what about, whoo, got to get moving here. What about uh, this, this right here? Let me ask a question. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to advance that slide there. Help me out. Okay, how? 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 So how how this happen? I want to look back in Acts here. So the church is to spread the gospel, the good news, right? We're to spread the good news. And, okay, stay with me now. We are to then equip people who embrace Christ, who understand and repent of their sins and, and, and put their faith in, in what Jesus did on the cross and the power of his resurrection, we equip them to become followers of Christ, uh, help them in growing and learning the Word of God. The Word of God is alive and powerful. You don't get saved and you don't grow and you can't help other people apart from this. got to get in the Word, understand the Word, understand what you believe and why. And that's part of our purpose in fulfilling the main purpose is to help equip people. In fact, you find out the number one purpose of a pastor, teacher, is to equip the Ephesians 4, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That we are equipped then to help other people come to know the good news and help them to become, to be a follower of Christ themselves. But as they were to do this, I, as I said, I don't see the spread of the gospel being initiated by even a missions committee. There's nothing wrong with a missions committee. They didn't have some missions conference talking about how we fulfill what Jesus told us to do. Remember that, everybody? They didn't do that. I, I don't even see them trying to just have like some type of revival meeting where we're just all, it just happens. Uh, I'll tell you how it happened. You want know how it happened in their day? It was brought about by less than ideal circumstances. It was brought about by bad times and tough times and suffering. In their case, it was persecution of the church where folks wanted to kill them and imprison them. A little different than what we're facing, huh? Now, you come back, you come back tonight, you're going to hear about how that as you're praying for the gospel to spread, there are some people in some parts of the world that when you pray that, and you're praying for them to embrace Christ, you also, as we were reminded yesterday, in our missions conference, you're, you're also praying for some of them to be willing to go to prison. You're praying for a lot of them as they're going to be disowned by their families. You're praying for some of them that might be hunted down and, and, and killed by people because they simply embraced Christ as their Savior. And others found out. Did you know that, that that's happening all around the world? We sit here in our cozy America and we're just worried about when our favorite thing's going to open back up. Many of them aren't able even to get food. And many of them, because they have faith in Christ, there, there are many of them who are here that have embraced Christ, that have family somewhere else, that they know that even though their family may have even disowned them, they still love their family, that their family could be harmed or imprisoned because of their decision just to trust Christ. Did you know that's going on all around us? Um, you'll find out more about that if you didn't as, as the day goes on today. But they were under persecution. And what happened was, is that when this happened, a lot of the people scattered. I mean, uh, Stephen 
one of the great early guys. He was set apart to be a servant of the church. We think that's where the whole ministry of deacon originated in Acts chapter 6. And Stephen then became a great preacher and God was using him greatly. And then he was persecuted because of that. And he preached this great sermon. They drug him outside of town and he preached this great sermon where he basically started with Abraham that they all believed in. And then he went all the way through, all the way through to Christ. <laughs> and he preached kind of a chronological message there. And uh, you would think at the end of that, they would have been cut to the heart and wanted to repent and be saved like they did on Pentecost, but instead they were gnashing at him, and uh, they took rocks and they beat him to death. Now you would think after that that they would be like, oh, what have we done? No, they were hungry for more, and they began to persecute all kinds of Christians and throwing them in jail and trying to kill them, and um, it tells us then in chapter 8, let's back up a few verses to verse 1, it says, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church. That was that day that Stephen was killed. That happened in the previous chapter. It said it happened on that day, a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they, all those Christians in Jerusalem, were all scattered throughout all regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Did you notice that? So most all these early Christians, you know, on the day of Pentecost, thousands were saved. And then a little bit later, there were thousands more, I mean, that have embraced Christ. And they're spending time with the apostles who had been with Jesus and with people who they had trained. And they are being taught. And they're going through the scriptures. And it's all coming to light now. But in a short time, this thing happens and they are scattered. But the leaders, the apostles, the ones that were with Jesus, that he left. See, he left these 11 to oversee his work, his church. Everything that's being taught and done has to be traced back to Jesus because there are already false Christ and false teachers. Everything being taught and everything being done traces back to these men that Jesus personally sent out himself, that spent time with him. Now, I know Judas uh, fell, and they elected a guy to take his place. Uh, but, so I say 11, 12 guys that he had left there. And it had to be somebody that was with Jesus from the beginning and someone that was with Jesus after he was resurrected. They actually talked to the resurrected Jesus. These are the guys he left. And so um, these guys have trained others and they have scattered. But these men, these leaders, the very ones that we would think would be the ones that, man, that's, that's the guy. with John and, 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 and James and Nathaniel and, and those guys, man, they would be the ones to take the gospel and just fan out. But they didn't. They stayed stuck in Jerusalem. The rest of the people scattered. And, um, and like I said, they had taught and they had trained. Those people were accountable to them. You see them coming back to them when issues came up. But did you notice Jesus didn't give them a manual on how to do everything in the church when he left, did he? I mean, you would think he did because even, I remember years ago when we wanted to change our Sunday morning meeting time from like... Uh, Sunday school at 10, worship at 11. We just went 9.45, 10.45. You would think, there were some people like, I know it's got to be in here somewhere. We're, we're not supposed to change this. <laughs> now, he left us. Listen, he left us to hammer out those details. He did. He really did. Uh, and, and so how this was going to happen, he told them what the purpose was, but he left them to hammer it out as they were led by the Holy Spirit. Are you staying with me here? However, it was not the apostles, these great guys that Jesus had spent time with. It was, not, it, were, it was not those guys who initiated the evangelistic spread of the gospel among the heathen world. I want to tell you, it was unknown, unnamed individuals who just didn't know how to keep good news to themselves. And they got scattered and everywhere they went, they just couldn't help but let it be contagious. That's how it happened, okay? Not some, and plans and programs and things are useful tools, 
But I want to tell you that this is how it happens, and it's how it happened with them. And I want to pick up another verse. I want to go forward in time, because it's pretty soon that the whole purpose was to take the gospel to the whole world. And God picked out one of these guys, Peter. Remember when Jesus said, who you say I am? He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. He said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Well, he used Simon Peter in that way. If you remember on the day of Pentecost, who did he use to get up and introduce the gospel to the masses? Empowered by the Holy Spirit, it was Peter. And then later on, you see that the gospel goes to the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8, later on after what we read. And, and they see that they're believing in all of this. There's something still missing. It has to be connected to the apostles who are connected to Jesus. So what do they do? They send Peter. And Peter goes there. And it's not until he gets there that they receive the Holy Spirit and everything is, 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 is solidified. But he opens the door then for the Samaritans. And then when God got ready to make sure that the Gentiles received the gospel, he's Peter caused him to have this crazy dream, you know, about stuff in Acts chapter 10. Remember that? About all this stuff. This food, being a Jew, that he wasn't supposed to eat. And God said, I want you to eat it. He said, now, Lord, I never ate anything you said not to eat. He said, I'm saying, don't you call unclean what I'm now saying is clean. Eat it. And he had this weird dream. About that time, there was some Gentile guys knocking on the door. One of them come with him. That this guy, this, this, this Roman centurion, like a Roman soldier kind of guy. This Gentile, man. He's connected with Romans. That he's, he's sending for you. That God has appeared to him and is sending for you by name. Whew, what? God's trying to tell me something. Peter goes and he, you know, even when he gets there, he's kind of like, you have to read it in Acts chapter 10, all right? So that's more homework, right? I mean, even when Peter gets there, he's kind of like, I'm paraphrasing heavily here. He says, now y'all know it's not right for me to be here among y'all heathens, right? You know that. You know it's against our regulations. You know, Jews can be contaminated by just being, but I see God's no respecter of person now. God's opening my eyes to some things now. I'm having to relearn some things about what God's doing. And as he shared the truth about Christ, they embraced Christ, and God confirmed it for the Gentiles exactly like he did on, on Pentecost in Jerusalem with those Jewish people. And there, were no, there was no difference. It had to be exactly like that, because if it hadn't been, they would have been thinking, well, we're... You know, we got a little more of Jesus than they did. And so God made sure that that didn't happen. But who was it again that unlocked the door? Simon Peter. <laughs> the Jews, the Samaritans, the uttermost, the Gentiles. So the door's unlocked to the gospel. Oh, by the way, little tidbit I don't want you to miss. Back up, the very first Gentile that comes into the kingdom happened at the end of Acts chapter 8 where one of the servants of the church, one of the early deacons of the church, Philip, was traveling about. And there was an Ethiopian who was a high-ranking official uh, for the queen, he was an Ethiopian, and he was traveling, and he said, hey, go talk to him. And he was reading out Isaiah. Now, he may have been a Jewish proselyte, we don't know, but he was Ethiopian, which means that probably the first Gentile saved was a very dark-skinned man, was a black man, even before Acts chapter 10. I think that's amazing. I think that's cool. But then, now, the gospel is spread to everyone. But Peter was reluctant about it. God confirms what had happened. And then, now, here's what we see happening in Acts chapter 11. It says, those who were scattered... Remember Stephen being killed? People are scattering. Those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. That's a pretty good ways out. And they were speaking to no one except Jews. Well, they were Jewish, and that's who they were comfortable around, right? But guess what? Now, I don't know if they know everything that happened with Peter and the Gentiles, but it says maybe they did. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists. Now, those are Greeks. Now, sometimes... It refers to Greek-speaking Jews. They call them Hellenistic Jews, but this is talking about Gentiles. These were heathen folk. These were Greeks. 
also preaching the Lord Jesus. And it says, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Did you hear that? So these Greeks, they're just like, we're going to share with we can't, We can't be quiet. we got to tell them. And then some of them who believed were turning to the Lord. And, and I kind of get a little implication there that it might be possible to believe these things yet not turn to the Lord. Could it be that there's some... Of that's listening that you believe all the right stuff but have you really turned and that word turn is a key part of what's involved in repentance but you, you can actually believe the right stuff but have you turned to the Lord mm. just just a little just a little something there all right yeah okay you don't look as excited about it as I expected but still it's there I promise you um, the original 11 apostles were not the aggressive ones in taking the gospel to the world of the Gentiles in fact they kind of drug their feet in it you know, uh, Peter, as I said, was reluctant when he went. And then even after he gave the gospel to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, and Gentiles were saved, and God confirmed it the way he did on Pentecost with them, so they knew there was no difference, and the gospels come to the whole world. That was always God's plan. All of a sudden, some of the folks back in Jerusalem, eh, don't know about this. Don't think the early church didn't struggle evil. They did. Back up a little bit to the first part of Acts 11. It says, now the apostles, that's our guys, and the brothers, that's other guys, who were throughout Judea, so they're still around Jerusalem, they heard that Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, so he's reporting back into these guys, this, this hierarchy of authority that Jesus had appointed, he goes to the other apostles, he goes back up to Jerusalem, because remember the apostles are there, and, and, and then there's some of these other brothers that he calls them the circumcision party. Well, these were guys that were Jews that had professed faith in Christ, but they just couldn't let go of all. You see, they had been raised staunch Jews, and they had all these, these different laws and these different customs that had been hammered into them. That's all they knew. Don't think it was easy to just let go of some of it. Now, Jesus fulfilled the law, the ceremonial law. He even fulfilled the moral law on our behalf, so that paid for our sins, right? Not that we don't have obligation there, but all the ceremonial things, he fulfilled it himself. So, you know, things are changing now. Uh, but they had trouble letting go. They had trouble in stuff changing in their lives, like, like we do, right? I mean, you know how it is. We even have trouble if we rearrange the, the, the platform up here, right? It's hard for some people. I remember in the old building, we moved some stuff, and, and we didn't tell anybody. This is many years ago. And, you know, you came into that building, like when you opened the door, you came right in facing the whole sanctuary. Remember that? How many of you remember that? And I remember it was just like, people were just like, you ever have a new gate on your farm? It was like cows looking at a new gate. It was just like, <laughs> some people were almost like, <laughs> they were ready to charge, man. <laughs> but it disrupted. But so these folks really had struggles. And so they were guys who were saying, now these folks, these Gentiles are receiving Christ and being saved, but, 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 but they, 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 they got to at least become a little bit Jewish, don't they? That was their hang-up. That's why he calls them that. And he said, uh, they criticized him. They criticized Peter saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Nasty. You got the spiritual cooties now. We're all worried about cooties nowadays, aren't we, with the coronavirus? I saw somebody, 
somebody said that a while back, said, who would have thought that game of cooties we used to play? You got cooties when we were kids would be like helpful later on in life, you know? Okay, never, never mind. Uh, but anyway, so they called him out on it, and they were a little, they were concerned, they were upset. And um, see, now here's my point. Even though Jesus had hinted when he was there teaching about his other sheep that must come into the fold, the other sheep talking about Gentiles, people who are not Jews, I'm sure that they, they did not find it easy to go into all the world, into all the nations, all the ethnos. They found it a little bit difficult. As I said, they've been raised strictly Jewish, and, and, and it had to be hammered out in their lives in real time. They had struggles just like some people do today. And some of them just did not seem to be able to totally let go and accept the fact that Jesus had indeed fulfilled the Old Testament law. And as I said, some of them wanted these new Christians that were Gentiles to become at least somewhat Jewish in order to be accepted in the church. And Peter explained to them and to his fellow apostles about what had happened, and it was compelling until finally, if you read on, they, they recognized that, well, huh, imagine that. God has actually chosen to save Gentiles too. Wow! <laughs> they should have known without them becoming Jews. Wow! There were still struggles though. When they heard his explanation, they ceased their objections. It says in Acts eleven eighteen, it says, God has granted repentance that leads to life even to Gentiles. They praise God. Hallelujah. Good for them, but they had to hammer it out. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. What am I saying? Are you ready to hear what I'm saying? The Lord works in amazing ways, folks. When the time came to fulfill the Great Commission and evangelize all peoples of the worlds and disciple them, Jesus didn't do it the way we thought he would do it. And he used, not the key guys, but some unlikely people, unnamed people. And then, and then, guess what? He gets ready to pick a guy to be an apostle. That means he's going to spend time with the resurrected Jesus. The, res resurrected, the resurrected Jesus makes an appearance. And he picks out a guy. And he changes this guy's heart and life. And then this guy spends time with some of the other guys and prepares him, and he's going to be the apostle. Now, the word apostle, you know what that means, don't you? It really means sent out. These were sent out by Jesus. There were 12 sent out by Jesus. Now, there were others that were referred to as apostles of the church. They didn't have the authority and the responsibility that the apostles of Jesus had. He sent 12. And I know there are 12. There's still not guys that have that same authority today. Because in Revelation it talks about the foundations of the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. And on it, on the names of the twelve foundations, are the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Twelve. Now, I know, is it Paul or Matthias? My personal opinion, the Bible doesn't tell us. They elected Matthias to take Judas's place in Acts chapter 1. But I think God chose Paul to be that number twelve. That's just my opinion. It doesn't, tell, it doesn't matter what you think on that. But anyway, but when God got ready to choose a guy to be the apostle personally sent out by Jesus himself with his authority to go out to the Gentile world. He picks the most staunch, legalistic Jew who was a hard-nosed Pharisee for crying out loud. And he chooses that guy and can you imagine the prejudices and the things that Saul of Tarsus had to overcome? He was even there and heard that message that Stephen preached. I think it had an effect on him. But he was there and he was causing, I mean, he became like the number, he chooses, God chooses the number one enemy of the church. This Jewish radical. And God chooses him and changes his heart 
and he becomes like the guy that has the most compassion and passion to reach the Gentile, the heathen. Isn't that just like God to do that? God uses unlikely circumstances, persecution, unlikely people to spread the truth, the good news throughout the known world. That's how God works. He doesn't do it the way we would plan it in our planning committees. It was Paul. It wasn't the 11. Listen to me. It was guys like Paul and Silas and Barnabas and Timothy and a Gentile named Luke and thousands of unnamed men and women that became the front runners in taking the gospel to the heathens and the pagans. And before that first century was over, listen to me, they had touched parts of the known world of that day of the Roman Empire. Turned the world upside down. Now! It sounds like I'm kind of wrapping things up, doesn't it? You're not ready for me to wrap things up. Look at you. You're just like, now, come on, come on. All right, I need to be agged on. You'd be surprised what agging me on can do. I need that. This is a team effort, right? This is group participation. Now, what in the world does all of this have to do with being viral? What does it have to do like even a virus like we're dealing with COVID-19 and when we're dealing with evangelism in the world? Well, I want to tell you, think about a good example here of how viruses like even COVID-19 and everything else, think about how they spread. You don't even have to go and, and desperately seek to spread the virus to people. That's what makes it so dangerous. You don't have to go to a class. Now, you can learn. <laughs> you, you can know ways to spread it. Even, you know, uh, this is where masks do help because I know tons of people that, and it isn't, even before any of this came along, and even when it's not flu season, I don't like walking in the store and somebody having me is like, you know, like that. I'm just like, I'm going the other way, man. I just, you know how I am. You know how I am. And there's some of you that do that. You just do that. You're not home in your own house. Show some manners. I'm sorry. So we're going to cover you up. Anyway, uh, you don't have to. You can learn how to spread it anymore. But, but you don't have to learn. You don't even have to learn how to spread it. It spreads. They, here's how people spread. Here's, here's what's happening. People just go out and they're just simply living their lives as usual. And when they come into contact with other people, the virus gets spread without them even knowing it. Think about that, or even thinking about it. It just happened. There's no classes teaching them how to do it, no special techniques. You don't even have to have that because, you see, the virus has a life of its own, and it is spread by social contact as people are just going about their normal lives, and it spreads. Are you with me? You see, that's, that's, that's what's happening. That's how a virus works. But when we talk about... The gospel going virus. Ideally, and certainly we see it in the book of Acts, the gospel spread quickly abroad as people like y'all just went about their normal lives, living their lives, and in normal contact with their family and with people at work and with people, you know, uh, on their, on their um, Jerusalem Little League team and whatever it was. They just went about their lives... And these saints did not begrudgingly say, well, I've got to go spread the gospel. Their evangelism was not the execution of some complicated plan. And I'm not saying that plans and strategies are wrong. And, and in fact, they, they can be very helpful, but they're not always necessary. I believe that Christians went about 
Listen, Christians went about knowing the Word of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were living in Christ's truth that they had learned, and they were in joyful fellowship with other believers and with lost people around them. And as that happened, the gospel spread, even without them realizing it. Their joy simply overflowed because their newfound salvation was so life-transforming, they just couldn't help but let it exude from them. And other people saw things happen. Why have you got that peace? Why do you have that joy? And then, when it came time, they just couldn't help but talk about it. Right? And they weren't afraid. They weren't ashamed. Yeah. You know, when the Cubs won the World Series, knowing that many of us are not fans, they weren't ashamed to just, you know, talk about it nonstop. They couldn't help themselves. Right? But people who... Life is transformed by Jesus. You can't help but let it flow out of your life. And you can't keep from talking about it. There's nothing like it. So the joy, the, the, the spread of the gospel, the evangelism was a result of the joy that overflowed and the praise to God that overflowed out of their lives and people who were next to them caught it. I want to tell you the gospel is as much caught as it is taught. Now, at some point, people need to know the truths. You need to know them. You've got to be trained in them. People need to know the truths. There are certain things you need to know and you need to believe or you can't be saved, right? But, but I want to tell you that the door opens to that because it's caught as it's spread through our lives. They, they, their joy-filled faith uh, of these new believers overflowed in unity and generosity to those in need. He even tells us in Acts 2 that all who believed were together. This is at the very beginning. They had all things in common. They even were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing. They made sure everybody had what they need. Somebody's hungry. Listen, you come back tonight, you're going to find out, even from Matthew 10, how that giving is something as simple as a cold cup of water can be what opens the door to spread the gospel. All right? said they made sure everybody had what they needed. And day by day, they were attending the temple together. They were breaking bread in their homes. They were meeting in the large group area back in those days. And then they were meeting in small groups in their homes. They received their food with gladness, generous hearts. They were praising God, having favor with all the people. That means even other people were beginning to say, man, there's something, something going on here. And the Lord added. They weren't adding. The Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. See the same thing in Acts chapter 4 as they were taking care of needs. Sometimes people just see how we have compassion to take care of real needs that they have. And they see, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? We heard yesterday about a guy that, that is, has been exposed to this type of ministry in a foreign country. And his thing was, why are you guys doing this? Why are you guys doing this? And he begins to open himself to the gospel. And then he hears the gospel. And he's saying, you know, you know what? This is just too good to be true, right? This is just too good to be true. He grew up under other religious ideas. This is too good to be true. There's got to be a catch. Oh, yeah, there's a catch. There's a catch. The catch is Jesus had to come in the flesh and die for your sins. That's a big catch. And then you've got to put your faith in him and repent and trust him. So, what must we do? You know, it's like a video goes viral, or I believe the gospel went viral in the book of Acts. And I pray that it will once again go viral, go global impact. And here's how it's going to happen. Spirit-filled Christians that cannot be silenced or their faith concealed. May it be so to the glory of God and the salvation of many in these last days. And i got to ask, will you be part of intentionally? Will you intentionally be a part? Intentionally be a part. It's an intention that you have of sharing the gospel and helping other people become followers of Christ and fulfilling the purpose that he gave us in the Great Commission. Will you do that? What must we do? 
first of all, we got to be equipped and prepared. That's why we come together and worship. And, and, you know, part of why we come together as a group is worship and fellowship. But a big reason is that we are to equip uh, each other to know the gospel, to, to just go out and be viral with it. Now, folks, we're in a bridge area right now between things being like panic in our country and things getting in. And some of the experts are telling us that we're in a period of time between when things were disrupted and what we're calling a new reality. Things are not going to go back to normal like you want them to. I don't care how bad you want them to. Things aren't going to be like they were. They're just not. And it's not that we're finding a new normal. Tom Rainer tells us we're finding a new reality. A new reality. And it is. It is what's going on now. And what's going on now is that people need to realize the good news, the gospel is the only hope that's real in the world. And what we need to do is be equipped and prepared. And then secondly, we need to stay focused on his mission and purpose. We don't want to be focused on ourselves and just what we want to do. Jesus' purpose and his mission is still our mission and purpose. And the other thing, it's very much okay in this situation to be as contagious as possible. Huh? Some people's coronavirus, it was, if it's like their faith in Christ, they wouldn't be able to give it to anybody. But in this case, you can be very, very contagious because the gospel has a life of its own. And the Holy Spirit's drawing people. And what we need to be is normal folks who have tremendous faith in Christ and it's flowing out of us. Instead of shedding virus, we're just spreading the gospel. Everywhere we go, and whatever we're doing, living our normal life. Now, it could be in the future if things are different. They're saying that sometimes instead of churches growing vertically with just big buildings with huge meetings, that it may grow more horizontally. That is, smaller groups. Smaller, those who are trained. See, I can't, I can't spend time personally with everybody, but if we have people who are trained and know the truth, and they can, they can, they can you know, here's what the early church did. You had groups meeting, and it wasn't they were all doing their own thing. They had people leading them, and those people were trained by others who may have been training and watching over several groups. And then those reported to other guys who were trained by the apostles. And then those guys reported to the apostles so that they could make sure everybody was accountable and God's truth was being taught and the gospel continued to spread and spread. Listen, that happened in the early church. It happened during the dark ages. And it might be happening now. And I just wonder if we're equipped enough and contagious enough to continue to spread the gospel like wildfire if things get worse instead of better. So I got to ask you, are you viral? Are you contagious? Do you want to be? You just need to get so much of Jesus all in you and all over you that you can't help but spread it. Father,